I am unashamed. What about you? Someone just gave me some information where my granddaughter gave a speech, you know, women's <laughs> gathering, I said, and over 100 of them obeyed the gospel. I said, I don't know, you might rethink of it, be silent in the churches. I said, uh, all I can think of is the four daughters of, of Philip, I said, which is kind of amusing. No, but it was a women's conference in our women. in our hometown. Yeah, the women's and conference. somehow you were there. And, Zach. Uh, one little young. I, yeah, I was one of the five men that were there. Well, How did you wind up there? So Jill was speaking at the conference, oh. and so I went at, to help her with Ruth, and she was selling bucks and all that. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I was a little bit like, well, let me tell you what I learned. You got to be careful when you, you can't predict when God's going to wreck you and when you're going to have an encounter with him. Because I'm at, I'm sitting there thinking I'm at a teeny bopper. It's all like teenage girls. And I'm, and I'm like a grown man, 43 years old. I'm at this conference and kind of bored with the whole thing. Yeah. What you're I, I, just, yeah. A little, a little <laughs> cynical, you know, and um, and she's Sadie starts starts preaching and I'm in the audience. And uh, and I mean, because I'm I'm a theological snob, and I and I really, and I hate that, but I am. And, and, but man, she was preaching the word, and it was very bold. Um, she didn't hold back; it was saturated in love. But it was, I mean, she was hitting she, she was hitting some tough issues, and it was about truth. And um, how this, many girls were there? It was about twelve hundred. I didn't even know that place held twelve hundred people. Listen, I, so I leave because the baby starts crying. I'm like I'll take the baby Jill. I got into the nursery where they got the screen of Sadie. She's 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 uh, still t- talking, you know. And I'm back there with John Luke and, and his wife and their little baby, and we're you know we're listening to her preach, but we're kind of talking to and everything she was saying. We're like, man, she is she she is bringing it. Yeah. And uh, and at the very end of it, she says. Um, we're going to do something we've never done in this building before. And you know, we're going we're going to bring in a baptistry and if you want to respond to Jesus and she explains about baptism it's it's a symbol of being buried with Christ and in, in water and 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 uh you die with him you're buried you're raised the Romans 6 passes raised to live a new life and she goes through kind of what baptism is. But let me back up up, up into this point her 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 text was um whenever Pilate said to Jesus, what is truth? And she made the point that the people, the culture at the time, when Pilate went out there and said, I, I found, I find no fault with this man. And they said, give us Barabbas. She said, Barabbas was known as someone who kills, steals, and destroys. Sound familiar? And they're like, yeah, it's talking about Satan. And, uh, and she said, it's, it's time to choose. Do you want Barabbas or do you want Jesus? You got to choose. And so she offers the baptism. I like where this is headed. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I think I, I I was wrecked, dude. I started crying, man. I just want to start crying. She she says, "I want you to stand up if you want to be baptized." And I could, I'm looking at her face. I can't see the yeah. audience because I'm looking at her on the screen. But I'm just like, I could tell on her face that she was like, "Whoa!" Like she was shocked. We may need a bigger. We may need a bigger baptistry. I don't. So I'll walk out. So then I, she said, "Go out this door." And they had a whole thing set up. She said, "We got you. We got you covered. We got if you don't have clothes, we got clothes. We got shirts. We got towels. We got you covered." And so they start to. I walk out just to see. I wanted to see how many girls were out there. Well, by the time I get out the nursery, I walk five steps. I got a picture of it on my phone. There's a line, sixty. I mean, it's going. I can't see the end of it, and it's all through the building. 
So, the, I mean, people are scrambling. They're running out of towels. They, I mean, look, Phil, it got, they baptized so many people that I've never seen this happen, that about halfway through it, they're like, where are the men? Where are the men? There's only five men in there. So me and Willie and a few others were like, what do y'all need? They're like, the water's gone. Like The water in the baptistry is like, there's not hardly any left. Spillage. Spillage, and they're taking it out with them. So we're, dra- we're grabbing trash cans. We got buckets, and we're like five, going to the bathroom sinks, and we're all running in there filling up the baptistry. That was almost an Acts 2 moment. It was. <laughs> well, I thought when I, when I heard 108, I was like, 108? I was like, how long did that take? Miss K about, just came about an up. hour. I sat down to give my lesson and yes uh, yesterday morning and Miss K just went up there and whispered in my ear. Tell me it's it's Sadie by night, you know, was preaching and they so I thought to myself, I said, When is the last time in the United States of America I ever heard of a female getting up in front of an audience? And 100, over 100 respond to the gospel of Jesus. I said, there's, there's something going on here. I think it, it, was, it, was, uh, it was legit. You know, I was speaking same night. This is the night before the hurricane. The hurricane's right off the coast. It's coming. And so here I am. I'm, my assistant is there. I'm like, now where's this event at? And she's like, South Louisiana. I said, South Louisiana? There's a hurricane coming. She's like, yeah, but they, we're, we're doing it. Was this in uh, South Louisiana? Yeah. That's the what, event? Yes. His, his so event, not Sadie's. My event. So your event. No, Sadie's event was in our hometown. All right, I got you. And so, but I, but it was the same night. And uh, so it actually wasn't, she said South Louisiana, but I looked on the map and it was right below Alexandria, in between Alexandria and the Mississippi River. But still, it was in the hurricane warning color i was looking at the at the weather and i was like you need to call them and make sure we're doing this because you know the governor had just talked Mm -hmm. and said wherever you're at right now that's where you need to be and i said i'm fixed to drive i'm going toward the storm and so she called and uh, the pastor said hey if he don't want to come down here, tell him to turn in his man card. When she said that, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, let's load up. We're we're headed there. So I drove down there. I mean, there was, I'd say, 600 people out in the middle of nowhere. What, what, what town was this near? You know, I don't even remember. It was Most the middle of— Most people remember the town they were in the night— they well, spoke. I'm sorry, I can't remember. It was a town well, I've never near, heard. New, near New Orleans, uh, on the other side. No, of- I said it was it was east of Alexandria. I mean, you put me on a spot. Now I can't remember. East of Alexandria, east of uh, it. slightly Covington. south. Lightly, Phil. Yeah. I'd never heard of this town before, so it's not going to pop in my head. I hadn't heard of it when we went out there. It's in the middle of nowhere, and but the fact that 600 people were there. Wow. So, so you're speaking to six six hundred, and Sadie is speaking to twelve hundred. Twelve hundred teenage one given, girls one given and, day. Yeah, I mean, the, but we're a little bit north. What I was saying is, I, I said it's hey, almost like there's a movement going on. Yeah, that's what it felt like. Yeah, yeah, I I thought it felt like um, it, it it had the kind of this revival 
awakening feeling to it. Because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't say skeptical, but I mean, I'm, I don't get. You know, we covered that Romans 16. After all the Apostle Paul yeah. had to say about I'm put here in defense of the gospel, that's why I'm so eagerly preach it. I'm not mm-hmm. ashamed of it. And he sticks, and then you, 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 after everything goes down in Romans 1 through 16, you get to chapter 16, and it's all of these accolades primarily aimed at women mm-hmm. on the help that they, the, as far as the, gospel being going through the Roman Empire yeah. he 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 highlighted the fact that that this was women along with men it yeah. was it was a the 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 male or female deal did not become an issue at all yeah I mean they they really helped me I mean they they greet them at the house over there Aquila and Priscilla and they'll greet through this one and that one another one but a lot of women were mentioned and we mentioned that the other day Jay. Oh, we talked about it because it's a sensitive subject to some people, especially in a in a what they call a corporate gathering. You know, you have your rules and you know you're under grace until you step into the building, and then all of a sudden you got a list of side rules here. Yeah, <laughs> which is which is true, and every every church has them. But you know, based on what I read, there was a lot going on in Corinth. They had the spiritual gifts at the hands. From the hands of the the apostles, eyewitnesses of the resurrection, and so a lot of the the people had gotten so excited, and some of the women about having these spiritual gifts, their gatherings had turned into disorder and chaos. You had people, yep, saying, "Hey, watch, watch me," and I think people get the signs and the wonders and the miracles way ahead of Jesus, and. That just and even today, yep. there's people still they're they're in search of this miraculous or this or the sign or, or the wonder. And I'm I it's kind of a pet peeve of mine, but I'm like, Jesus inside of you through the Holy Spirit is greater than any other thing you could ever pursue. Well, I think that what I what I learned I say learned, what was reaffirmed this weekend was that you know, to your point, I think we've responded to the gospel. Uh, a lot of people have responded in the last 15 years to to maybe the way we produced an event that brought them to an emotional experience. Maybe they were like the, they were seeking the miracles, they're seeking the experience, they're they're seeking the things of God. What I think what moved me about um, this weekend with Sadie is that her um, when she was talking to these girls, it was it was a bold message, and it was completely saturated in, in in truth. I mean, that's the whole thing was about the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then the truth was directed at the end, which is God himself, the nature of God. Um, there was some talk of repentance. There was some talk of, I mean, there it, it was a, it, I, I, the, I was so encouraged because, like, they were responding to who God, like, the, people saw, like, they saw their their sin, they saw their, their own brokenness, they saw their own depravity in this, in this moment, and that's what they responded to, and I think that if you think about every revival that's ever occurred, any uh, great awakening, what's preceded that is is a movement of repentance among God among, among people who've said, "I'm going to fall on my face before the living God," and and I watch these girls come down one by one, or actually two by two, and get baptized, and when they would come out, they're all weeping. 
And I could tell they were tears of repentance. They were tears of, of, of shedding off sin. Um, the, the, I mean, you got to keep in mind these. This generation is the most confused generation in history. Yeah. And they're shedding off sin, and you see that. You see that, and that's why it's called awakening, great awakenings, because they're you're awakened to reality that is God. What well, I did powerful. yesterday in three texts, and I, I and I will let old Jay's pontificate. But my my lesson to the brothers, I said, you know what's really interesting? We're in speaking of Matthew. Here's a tax collector, most hated individual probably. He's he's running with illiterate commercial fishermen. He's been a chosen to be one of the disciples. And and in Matthew one eighteen, I'll give you three texts that were profound in my opinion. Let's take a quick break before you do that, Phil. All right. But after you get your great mattress, you got to put just as much thought into your sheets because sheets do matter. Um, and so our sponsor here at Bowling Branch has some amazing sleep uh, products. They, uh, they have amazing ultra-soft organic sheets are transparently sourced, produced in safe, fair conditions. You'll feel the difference, and, uh, and you'll know that you're making one as well. So go to the website at Bowling Branch. That's B-O-L-L-A-N-D-B-R-A-N-C-H.com promo code Robertson and order your sheets. You can try them uh, worry-free for 30 nights uh, with free shipping and returns. Any listeners get an exclusive 15% off your first set of sheets with the promo code Robertson at BolinBranch.com. So if you're in the market for sheets, and even if you're not in the market for sheets, I've tried these as well. They're, they're amazing. Nothing's more important than getting a, a great night's sleep. It's great for your immune system and, uh, you wake up feeling refreshed and you can attack today. That's bowlandbranch.com, code Robertson. So here it is, Matthew. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. Now, he just matter-of-factly says, now he's a bean counter, he's collecting, he's taxing people. You see, he gets put in a position where he's writing a, a book, one of the Gospels in the New Testament. So God is really using him. So he just matter-of-factly says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, no sex, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Uh-oh. So right off the bat, he says, this is the way this thing went down. Uh, this is how Jesus got here. And she was found, a young girl, to be found with child through the Holy Spirit. Now, she's, she's not married yet, so these, this guy, Joseph, is dating her. And you say, he's thinking, what? And they said, yeah, she's, she's pregnant, but, but don't worry. You're like, yeah. I mean, here he is dating. It's like you dating Jill. And Jill said, look, I know this may surprise you, you know, but but I'm pregnant. And you know you didn't sleep with her. She said, but I'm pregnant. I'm going to have a child. So I just want to give you the information so you wouldn't get upset. And think about it from a human standpoint. A, a physical birth, you have to have sperm, uh, an ovum, and, you know, which turns into an embryo once the sperm hits it. And it, it's called uh, 
It could be by a husband's decree. It's a physical birth. All of a sudden, we've got a birth, human beings coming out of women, and there was no sexual activity and no sperm and ovum. Just so y'all are kind of getting ready to say, this is this is how what who what has this work? Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. He did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He said, "I can't go out there. It's, it's girl I'm dating. I mean, good night. She's been sleeping around, you know. So now, you know, what am I going to do now?" He said, "Well, I'm a good. I'm not going to just just submit her to let the wolves throw her to the wolves." He had in mind to divorce her quietly. I need to check it to this this girl quick. I mean, yeah, I mean, she's pregnant, you know, by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, okay, yeah. But but he's doing it in a way. Yeah, he, that that's it's just a matter of fact. Respect, he, he, he just it's honorable. It well, because yeah. I would have when I heard this, you would have heard the door shut, <laughs> and you'd have thought, "Where'd he go?" That's my point. He gone. So look, I'm making a point here, but but look, and I give you three texts. This one, John's account, and Luke's, and you put them together. It's the wildest thing you ever heard. An angel of the Lord, but 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 before he, he after he considered this, well, you know, I'm gonna grab my just divorce her quietly, you know, and I'm gonna move on with my life. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. That tells you that God does work through dreams in human beings' minds deep in, deep into the night. Joseph, y'all you, you, y'all struggle with that one. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Calm down there, Joseph. I know you're thinking something, something went on here. No, you, you missed it, son. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. There was no sex involved in this birth. Now, it's an interesting point because we all understand human births and we all understand that human beings, the only way they get here is through sexual activity or a taking of the sperm and an inserting in a female. And uh, you, we got that part. And you get yeah. a birth. That's right. <laughs> well, uh, we as your wife, because she's the, what's what went on here is the power of God. God is intervening with another kind of birth. I know it's a little shaky for you at the time, son. But this is what this is the way it happened. She will give birth to a son, and it's all going to come from the Holy Spirit without any sexual activity, not a, like a human birth. And you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Mm. All this took place, which was a lot by human standards. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Now he's talking about, oh, what's name starts with a G? Oh, uh, Gabriel. So what? You'll be with child, he quotes Isaiah 7, 700 years earlier that it said, she'll be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angels of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. It did it for him. He said, so that is what's going on. Well, I'll have to admit, the guy was a pretty sound individual to say, oh, okay. I, I think I'm, he's one of the most underrated What are you talking about? Yeah. In I the said, Bible. we ought to talk more about this Joseph. Because he basically turned into a guardian yeah. for, for Jesus. So he took her home. He had no union with her. Now, by the way, just out of uh, kindness, he said, you know what, if that's what went down, 
I'm not going to lay a nothing on her sexually. I, I'm I'm backing off of this. I'm just letting this unfold and let it happen. But I'm not going to jump in there and say, well, what'd you do? You know, uh, you know, once you're married, okay, get after it. He's like, no, there won't be a honeymoon here. I've decided to forego that out of deference to my God. Mm-hmm. So, which is pretty interesting. Look, now that's one. And the two is, uh, if you if you if you look at John, I'll get John before Luke. I went to John first and then Luke. And John's account, I think, is a stunner. Uh, there came a man who was, first of all, Jesus, he's the was the word, the word was with God. He came as a witness, John the Baptist, concerning that life. This is John chapter one, so that all might believe. He himself was not not uh, the light. He came as a witness to the light. The true light gives light to every man was coming into the world. The light of the world is coming through a human being with no sperm hitting any ovum. You're like, this is a big one. Uh, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, the Jews, but but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to all who believed in him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become, now watch, he gave them the right to become children of God. It's a different kind of birth. We have another kind of birth that you've never heard of, humanity. You've never dreamed this up in your wildest dreams. We have another kind of birth other than male, female, sexual activity, sperm, ovum, and then the embryo, and then the child comes out. There's a whole complete birth, and this one is God ordained, and instead of your earthly father being your father, where the sperm came from, and your mother, in this case, God is going to be your father with this birth. Hmm. You're like, whoa, do what? And no sex. Um, and here comes I'm born of God. It's it's nothing physical. It's nothing human humanity about it. You say. This is the wildest thinking. Well, that's what he took. Just a few chapters later, that's what that's that's Nicodemus's hang up. Yeah. Remember? Now just think of it. Now watch. Children born not of natural descent. That's why I, that's why I'm keep going back to the sperm. You, you, you're like, no. Well, Joseph was just reeling back from it. Mary was like, I'm a virgin. How you how's this gonna work? Mary was arguing with Gabriel, saying, Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, I'm gonna do what? Said so you're gonna have you're gonna be with child. She's like, wait a minute here. That's over in uh, in, in the other one. But anyway, not of human decision. No, nope, not this birth. Or a husband's will. Not this birth. Here's what I like. But born of God. Mm-hmm. You're like, good night. How in the world is God gonna be able to pull this off? Now we get to Luke, and all I do is he tells the same story. But I'm gonna give you one line. And Luke chapter 1, watch, nothing, because now we're talking about Elizabeth. The woman's an old woman. Her, her and Zachariah, they were at least in their 60s going into 70s or whatever. She was that old. And look, uh, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And Mary's like, Elizabeth is going to have a baby and she's been barren her entire life, and she's going to, 
Are you crazy? Well, well but I think that was... Here's all. my point of the lesson yesterday and today. I just thought I'd give you all a little sermon here this morning. <laughs> yeah. Here's my point. And, and I guarantee you this is what the crux of the matter is. That's Luke 1, 17. And after all this explanation of how to get Jesus here and John the Baptist, the Bible says, John recorded, nothing is impossible with God. Mm. Nothing. That's good. I said, I'm going to leave you with that because when you say, well, I don't know my sins and my death, we, we worry about it. But when you look at this birth coming down out of heaven that had never been heard of or matched since, mm -hmm. if that's the root of it all, you say, what are we coming down to? We're coming down to nothing's impossible for God if he could pull that off. I mean, just think about it. I think that's yeah. one of the ways that uh, when I listen to Ephesians. So that was my sermon yesterday, but I think I just thought I would do that because we're going into the book of Matthew and all these things are going to really boil down to one thing. Man, you read you read how you got Jesus here, how you got him here, and there's nothing impossible. No, I think that's a good nothing. point because that's a, when, when it says that Jesus was the first. That will preach. He was the firstborn over all creation. He was a, a that's right. He was a it was spiritually born through the Holy Spirit. All these verses, and then we're and we're born of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You're like, boy, you talk about something wild going on here. But he comes. was linked to John the Baptist, and you brought up they both had miraculous births. births yeah, because she was Elizabeth was too old, and Mary was a virgin. Mm. That's my point. Then they were cousins. And John the Baptist was the forerunner. Well, he preached a baptism or repentance. He kind of represented the law. Yep. And then here's Jesus, his cousin. He represented grace. I know it. Well, I mean, well, 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 think about Just think how, what kind of thinking would have had to gone into this to pull that off. Well, you, you see the same, I mean, you see the prototype pre-Jesus even with, with uh, Abraham and Sarah. Yeah. Way too old to have babies, yeah. but the, but God intervenes. I was thinking when you were reading this, I was thinking about Romans. I mentioned that yesterday. I was thinking about Romans 9 because you know, we read the book of Romans. and Man, we get so off on the book of Romans because we, we miss the grand context of it. And Romans 9, it makes the same point that you're making when it says, um, it says it's not as though God's word had failed. By the way, this is right after he's talking about uh, admonishing the Jewish people, but for having the law, for having the patriarchs, for having everything, and then they reject it. And he's like, and Paul's like, man, I would die. I would give up my own self if it meant the inclusion of my, if, if these people would come to saving faith in Jesus. And then he says in Romans 6, Romans 9, 6, it's not those that God's word had failed, for not all who are descended DNA, DNA, are, they don't have uh, Israel's DNA. They're not, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. It's That's not. Right. It's not the physical children. You you miss. Right. You miss the promise. That is correct. Nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. The DNA is not the point. Is what he's saying. On the contrary, it is through Isaac, quoting quoting Genesis here, that your that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it's not the natural children who are God's children, but is the children of the promise. Who are regarded as Abraham's offspring for this, and then he goes into the whole thing. But and that's, that's still in the bedrock 
of who God's people are, who they are. It is the children of the promise. It's the ones who are spiritually born. It's 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 what what Jesus told Nicodemus. It's the ones who are born again. And he's yep. thinking, how can I enter my mother's womb and be born? Like I, I'm a grown man. That that's not going to work phys- physically. That's right. He's like, you're not getting it. That's right. You got to be born of water and spirit. Human beings have struggled with what we're discussing right here ever since human beings have been on the earth. They just have not considered. You look at the cosmos, you think that would do it. No, they're thinking, no, they're looking for salt water. They say, we'll find the fountain of life. But when you get right down to it, you have to be born of the spirit. Yeah, when you get right down to it, you say, if if you go with God, there's nothing impossible for him to do. There's nothing. Let's Let's take a quick break. So I'll tell you one thing that, yeah, we, we had a hurricane, we got Afghanistan, we've got all this, I mean, it's, it, it's difficult to sleep these days with everything that's going on. Um, but one of our sponsors, Helix Mattress, offers some of the best sleep you'll ever have. Jace, you, you've, you've got these in your house because I've actually yeah. slept on one. They were yeah. incredible. I've been in my whole house with them. And you can, I need to, I guess, I, I don't know what kind you got in, um, the room, I don't even know whose room I slept in, but whoever it was is very, I think it's cold, very comfortable. But um, you actually can personalize your mattress to yourself uh, by going to helix.com. And uh, Jace, you took the quiz and were matched with the Midnight Helix mattress. I don't know if you knew what the, the name of it was, but good results. Yeah, love it. He loves it. So just go to helixsleep.com slash unashamed. That's uh, helixsleep.com slash unashamed. Take about a two minute quiz. And they're going to match you with a custom mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. I've actually used this. Um, I'm telling you, it's incredible. They've got a 10-year warranty, and uh, you get to try it out for 100 nights for free, risk-free. Uh, they'll even pick it up if you don't love it, but you're going to love it. I promise you that. Um, so Helix Sleep is offering up to $200 off on all mattress orders and you get two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash unashamed. So that's up to $200 off, plus you get the free pillows at helixsleep.com slash unashamed. But you would think people, Phil, would line up for miles around. You, oh. you, but when you read this story, look, I've been to Bethlehem. There ain't nothing there. I mean, you talk about a humble place. Very few people. It was very, and it was fewer back then. Oh yeah. I mean, there it's hard for people to wrap their their head write. around to say, "Oh, this is where the the Son of God was born at." <laughs> you know yeah. that. I mean, when you read chapter two, when you start, because I I wasn't real familiar with Matthew two because I've always read Luke two. When you talk about the birth of Jesus, well, yeah, it's, me too. it's more PG. People do plays every year for Christmas, you know, and well, you read Matthew 2 and you're like, man, this is almost rated R. Yeah. I, I mean, first you're getting the graphic details of what Joseph was thinking from a sexual viewpoint. <laughs> yeah. Which, which yeah. Phil it, just gave us. Yeah. Well, in, in, it in is detail. graphic. Well, it is. It, it right, is. You're right. Well, then it gets worse because <laughs> then he's... because. <laughs> You know, Luke talks about the angels talking to the shepherds in which they showed up at the birth, you know. Yep. So evidently most scholars say it's time has passed now in in Matthew's version. But he focuses on really these magi who 
weren't even Jews coming from the East who were, I guess, stargazers because they said, well, we saw the star, which in every other context in the Bible, these people are not viewed upon favorably. Yep. People who are astronomers are putting their faith in. Yeah, they're like, they're like the cult. They're like the, the pagans, the, the, yeah. the, the astrologists. The, yeah. But yeah. What, I, what made me think about that is, is where are the religious people who are studying the scriptures? And we now have the fulfilled prophecy that the Son of God, the Messiah, is here. Ain't none of them here. Mm. You know why? Because they're like, where is this happening? Bethlehem? Now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, a, it's a joke. But when you start reading chapter 2, he then focuses on Herod, King Herod also, and the, the Magi says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Which I think is an interesting phrase because that, that phrase is going to eventually lead to Jesus' death, Yeah, that declaration. You know, it's used here in the beginning, and then it's used when he's confronted and arrested. It's like, are you the king of the Jews? Which mm-hmm. is what Sadie was using as a what does, you know, her, does her yeah. basis. You know, to Zach's point, Second John, a while ago you were talking about this, to the chosen lady and her children whom I love in the truth, not that I, not I only, but also those who know the truth because of the truth which lives in them will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace, Father, will be with us in truth. It's given me great joy to see my your children walking in the truth. Five times in a place about this wide. Well, he gets on over a little further, and he says, uh, many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. And he said later, don't even invite him into your house. Mm-hmm. Unless, but you, get point, the, unless you get this on straight about who Jesus is. And Matthew said, this is how it came about. But it seems so matter-of-factly when you read the Matthew account, I never had looked at Luke, John, and Matthew together saying the same thing. But once I put them all three together... Well, it's quite different, their perspectives. But the point is, because I was thinking that when Zach was talking earlier, when he when Pilate said, what is truth, the, what he missed was, because he was wanting to hear the, the reasoning but Jesus de- had already remember, de- declared, to, to, look, that I am the truth. Yeah, he'd already said, yeah. He's looking for what, and he missed who. Mm-hmm. And I think what you just read, That's five good. times it said that in First John, true, 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 true. Then it said, he who acknowledged that Jesus is the Christ. Well, there's your truth. But here's the deal. From a human standpoint, the reason it's such a wrestling match, in the pursuit of truth, because the truth that saves us all by human standards is impossible. Yeah. You, you, you get a birth with no sperm. You, you say, what well, you know, sperm and an ovum. Well, like, well, because like, wait a minute here. You, you, it's yeah, but what Phil, you're saying point, is the truth is impossible. But my point is a lot of religious people, they, the, all, the Bible's true because it's inspired by the Holy spirit, but they, what, what's that verse that says they rightly defy, divide the word of truth and so they tried to get 
perfect agreement on all truths of the Bible, which is impossible. Small T's and what Jesus yeah. is offering is... And just is add, look, without, of putting without Jesus, faith, it is impossible to please God. So Yeah, but what my point is, and so you have all these arguments and you have all and you have a debate kind of like what Pilate and Jesus were having. They're like, well, what is the truth or what is the yep. most important? Yep. Yep. And Jesus, if he didn't do anything else, you know, one of his common phrases were was, I tell you the truth. Yep. And then he later just he says, says I am the but, truth. But but you know why I think of the why it's so offensive and you see you see what happened here, by the way. You you were just about to read this part about Herod. It's funny to me, by the way, in verse three in chapter two of Matthew, when Herod heard, when he hears about the coming of the Messiah, you know who he, who he calls together? He, he all the religious people. Oh, that that that's right. I, I thought the same thing. You want to know who the enemies of Jesus would be? They're the people that he gathered in verse four, when he called together all the people, people's chief priests and teachers of the law. He asked them where the Christ was to be born. And they're like, in Bethlehem. Look, they had read mm. the prophecies because they quoted it. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. So I'm like, why are they not down there worshiping? Who we got worshiping? Three astrologers. That were uh, not from, that were not God's chosen people. That were Gentiles. Yeah, they're Gentiles. I, I think there's something here. Because later on, when you get to Matthew 28, I think it all comes together that we're Jesus, who has all authority yeah. and, and power. He's proven that. Yeah. says, go into all nations. And he starts here because he knew that these religious people were too prideful and pious to go down there and get in line. And, and, and it, was, it was a threat to Herod. Yeah. For the, they were, had picked a side. Well, to them, who had the power? King Herod. Yeah. Look, I did some research on this guy because when you get to the rated R part about he, because he felt threatened here. He's like, well, where exactly is this? I need let me know. Y'all find out where he is and let me know. Well, he because he was gonna kill him. Yeah, but that, he, but he, but he said he was gonna go worship him. I want to go worship. No, I want to kill well, him. That's what powerful yeah. people do. They lie. Yeah. And, well, what yeah. you say? They they kill, steal, and, and destroy. Yeah. And so this guy, look. One of the Roman emperors at that time had made this quote about King Herod. They said it was, it was better for you to be his pig than his son. And you say, what, what was his point? Well, he had killed three of his sons. Because back in their, their day, that's who succeeded the throne. Well, if he, didn't, if he felt threatened, and he also killed one of his wives. And so the Roman emperor said that. I mean, he was paranoid about his power. So it... It wouldn't be beyond his character, because you got to remember Bethlehem was a small place back then. So, killing these babies were were probably eight or ten, or twelve, and he's he he was so paranoid about his power, uh -huh. he he did that, which is absolutely atrocious, and even him lying about this, and and later on, it's interesting as the story unfolds, because it becomes almost like. I think another shadow of what Moses went through. You remember when they had the decree of, of kill the babies and, you know, Moses is put down the river. And of course, I mean, there's similarities there. Pharaoh's daughter rescues mm -hmm. a baby. In this case, it's a dream. They come to Joseph and angel and says, Hey, move. 
And then when all of the people that were a threat died, which is the same thing happened to Moses, he's like, all right, it's safe to come back. That's what's interesting about this is Jesus is moved to Egypt, which is the last place you would think he would be sent yeah. because of the representation of the bondage oh, yeah. you know, in, in their history. Yeah. But it became a spiritual thing. And I think, in essence, I think Moses became the freer of their physical bondage, and then later Jesus became the freer of humanity and their spiritual bondage, which is, this is not happening by coincidence or, or accident. It, it's almost a shadow of, of yeah. that revelation. Let's uh, take a quick break. So, Phil, you, you do a lot of grilling, smoking meats. Who, who picks out the meat at the store? Who does that? Uh, that's fallen on one uh, Afghanistan veteran who married the granddaughter Stone. He picks out he picks out the the quality meats. He picks out the quality meat unless you get it from the woods. You probably don't know this, but but eighty percent of grass fed beef sold in the U.S. is imported from overseas. It's not it's not American beef. But our good friends over at Good Ranchers have traveled the country on a mission to help American families. How? They work with local farms, and they get local meat straight to your door. I like the sound of that. Look, they're the only one that does these American craft beef, and it's better than organic chicken. They, they're the only ones that have the T-bone, that have the bone in the steak, which is obviously a lot better steak when you got a bone in it. They've got T-bones, fillets, strips. They've got gourmet burgers and more, and um, at a, at a half, half the price of their online competitors, you get the steakhouse quality you deserve at a price every family can afford. So if you go to GoodRanchers.com to buy now, you can subscribe and save 20% on each box of mouth-watering meats. Uh, subscribing brings the cost down to less than $5 a meal. Plus, right now, you get an additional $20 off and free express shipping if you go to GoodRanchers.com slash fill. That's GoodRanchers.com slash fill. Use the code fill at checkout. That's $20 off. Free express shipping at GoodRanchers.com slash Phil. Know where your meat comes from with GoodRanchers.com. That sounds great to me. Uh, to your point, it's not happening by accident. I think that what's offensive here and, what, and what's threatening is, is even as Phil said when he was talking about the, the birth of, of uh, Jesus, he, he said, he used the term... Uh, by by his by the husband's decree. Wait, I'm glad you said that because that I mean, husband wife deciding or even they're definitely deciding to to, to engage in the act that leads to life. But the way Jesus yeah, was born, birth. not this birth. That's right. It was it was decreed from the sovereign sovereign will of God, and God's sovereignty is offensive because it robs us of all. We, we can't claim to be like the originators of any of this. And God said, if you're going to be born of me, it's going to originate with me, not you. You know, which leads to the question: You know, what is my responsibility in that? And um, one of my favorite books uh, is by uh, a guy named Francis Schaeffer um, called "True Spirituality," that really shaped my faith a lot. And in that book, he uses this story to talk about this idea of how we respond in faith to God. And he, he uses Mary, and I, I guess he could use Joseph too, but he used Mary as this prototype of how God works. Mary did nothing to initiate this this uh, conception in her womb. She did absolutely nothing. God, the Holy Spirit, did everything. 
Yeah. Um, but she did yield her body. And, and Schaefer points out that she could have had an abortion. She could have committed suicide. She could have. There's a lot of things that she could have done to to end the pregnancy, but she didn't. She so so he uses this term called um, he says active. It's active passivity. And so I think this explains a lot, even when we get to Romans, but how we respond to God is we're not conjuring up any of any of our our spirituality. We're it's not we're not we're not getting making this happen. God's making it happen. We just yield, as Mary yielded her body to the Holy Spirit, we yield to God who produces the fruit in our life. And well, I, just like Joseph yielded Joseph a, yielded a, a, everything about his life. He he just literally <laughs> he, yeah. was, he had to. He, he but it's I mean, a, but it's offensive. That, I, I, I've thought a lot better of Joseph after I saw what he. No, went I I agree. And, and well, these these are all prototypes for us because I think that what we want to do is we want to claim the power for ourselves. We want to we want to be like Herod in our in our sinfulness. We want to be like Herod, and when we feel like we're going to lose our sovereignty or we're going to lose our power, then we're going to okay, we're going to try to stop that from happening. God becoming flesh is a gigantic stumbling block. Oh, it's huge. For a lot of people. Yeah. They just, uh, Thomas Jefferson included, he, he just couldn't make that leap because that's why I read the text mm-hmm. that says nothing's impossible for God. You have to have that kind of faith or you're never even going to believe Jesus is the one who came out of a woman. I mean, God yeah. becoming flesh is a big move. Well, I think Matthew's version really gives you a good a good reason to understand why people reject Jesus because it just seems so crazy that here's these magi. I mean, when you read it, if I pick up and start reading in verse seven, you know, Herod called the magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And look, meanwhile, people have tried, they've looked up which stars were and which comets uh, went through a couple thousand years ago, you know, yeah. and they're just like, nothing makes sense. And I'm like, why are you trying to make sense of this? God is, is giving birth to through a, via a virgin. You don't, you already said nothing is impossible. God can do anything. Stars don't just stop their orbit over a baby. So evidently, God is allowing hey, this to happen. Let, let, let me save you some time. Let me read the miracle let, keeps getting let, bigger. Let, let me read. Let me read this one quote because this is. I wrote this down. Uh, John Piper said this. He, he said, uh, "This is what you said." People are trying to figure out, you know, all the the stars and how it worked. He, he said, uh, "People have." He calls it a mentality for the marginal. Like they want to find the the marginal point in the text, and then they're going yeah. to like hunker down on that and do all this. He said, "Look," he said, "these types of people seldom have a capacity for deep joy in the central truths of the text and of the gospel." Yeah, and I think that to your point, you get you're missing the point if you get bogged out on that. Exactly, and and I want to keep reading here because we're almost out of time. So he he then says in verse nine, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. That's not normal star activity. (laughs) And that's why I made this point about these guys, these Gentile magi, whoever they were, coming to worship. And and it just made me realize here that when you look at the religious world of that day, none of the religious theologians are, are showing up and you have 
worldly people who are not who we would think tracking stars to try to find the, the, the son of God. Yeah. By, bypassed him. And I thought, you know what it made me think today? You don't want to have churches full of all these great thinkers who are too proud or too uh, too set in their own own reasoning just to fall down and do radical things and worship Uns God. Unschooled and ordinary men. Might yeah. throw a few of them in. And so yeah. I thought, you know, a lot of times in the world, that's how it works. You got you got worldly people showing up, and they're hearing about Jesus, and they're they're radically falling down and worshiping Jesus. And you got all the religious people on one side saying, oh, "I don't know about this," you know. Yeah. It, it just it, well, look it's at the same. Well, picture, you look at you the know? stark contrast here in in the arrival of of Jesus. One of two things: either you tried to kill him, or you bowed down to worship him. <laughs> exactly. Well, verse 11, verse 11 said, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his, mo with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped. Then they opened their treasures, and these don't seem like, you know, you would think baby to toys or presents for a baby, but it's, it's kind of what they represented because they were, maybe God had inspired mm -hmm. them. But, you know, you think gold, you're thinking king, and you think... uh the the incense and of myrrh and having been worn in a dream. Let's see, what, what was the other things? Uh, yeah, the incense, things like uh, for a priest, which because yeah. they were getting the big picture that Jesus would become a priest yeah. for humanity. Yeah, yeah. Basically, uh, the bridge. And so, and, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country. Because Herod said, when you find out the exact location, come, because I want to go worship him too, which was yeah. a lie. So when Herod found out about this, this is down in verse 16, that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem in its vicinity who were two years old and under. I mean, just absolutely <laughs> horrible. And I think a lot of people trying to make this feel like, well, why did God allow that to happen? You know, but I think you get back to the same thing. God created this. He gave, he gave us the choice of good and evil and to do, you know, what we decide to do. And the consequences of that is, is seen in Herod's quest for power. And then verse 19, he dies and an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. That's why I, I keyed in on that because the same thing happened in Moses' life. The same identical rendering. So he got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. And uh, so then when you get down to the end, they go to Nazareth. And I wanted to read this because I, this is another thing that sent scholars out the wazoo. Matthew says, So was fulfilled, the last verse in 23, what was said through the prophet, he will be called a Nazarene. So every Bible scholar goes and looks in the Old Testament where the prophet said that, and guess what? Can't find it. So then there's a long debate and ongoing about what does that mean? when you can't find the fulfilled passage, because there's like 23 fulfilled prophecies that Matthew recorded. I mean, he was real big on that. 
which is amazing, hundreds of years ago. More but here you have different variations of the word, and they're like, one of them is Nazarite, and they're like, well, it can't be Nazarite, because to be a Nazarite, you never could cut your hair, you couldn't drink, and you, uh, which is why John the Baptist, he had never touched a drop, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and that's why he had long hair, and, and uh, you couldn't touch a dead body. Well, they're like, well, Jesus touched a dead body, and you read Luke 7 and the difference between John the Baptist and Jesus, despite what, what some crusty theologians think, it gives every indication that Jesus drank. Now, we know he didn't get drunk, and he never sinned, but... But he drank fine wines, yeah, I mean, I want to read that because somebody probably, you know, pulled over and said, oh, no, what, what are you saying? Let me just read what, what I think Luke 7, when they were given the difference between Jesus and John the Baptist, or Jesus was given the difference, he says in 28, I tell you, among those born of women, there's no one greater than John Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And then he goes on to say in verse 33, For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man, who he's speaking of himself, Jesus is, because I see the red letters, came eating and drinking, and you say here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. I don't know how else to interpret that, but Jesus had a bad reputation. He didn't have one of a Nazarene. So what do you what do you think that means? I think it's kind of what uh, Philip and Nathaniel, when they had that conversation, when Philip told Nathaniel, that's in John, mm-hmm. I think chapter two or cha- at the end of chapter one. He they Philip said we found the Messiah. Just the same problem that was going on in the religious world. And he's like, where's he from? He's like, Nazareth. And Nathaniel's like, Nazareth? Ain't nothing good coming out of Nazareth. Mm -hmm. And I think it was all of the words used around Nazarene was basically that's a he's a nobody. And I think that's what God had in mind to, to give the impression that this is from from him and not us. Well, yeah, I, th- I think to wrap it up, it, it's, it is interesting. You've got two kings. You got Herod. You got Jesus. Herod had really no power, right? And he's going to thwart in his mind the will of God. And God had all power, and he condescends and becomes a baby. Yeah, I mean, you see, he well, just you, you, and so you see why our God is worthy of worship. It. It's not just his power that makes God glorious. It is mm-hmm. it is his power and his condescension, which is which exemplifies his love. Yeah. What I mean, like you think about this. What kind of God would do this? I mean, this is you could not write this because it's insane that that's that's the a real one. Well, to an, real one. To answer your one. question, I think the shadows and there is a version of this Nazarene which most you know people agree that there's a a word mentioned in Samuel speaking of coming from the seed line of Jesse, which, you know, David was born in Bethlehem also, King David, and now here's Jesus. And so we see that similarity there too. But back in the Old Testament, the power of God was revealed. And here all of a sudden Jesus coming, you see this vulnerability that, you know, he's he's a baby. 
I mean, they're having to take him in the middle of the night and move, and he's from Nazareth in places that you wouldn't think some powerful king would come from, which we know that this is becomes God's love story for us, him becoming a man. It's disruptive. Yeah, to and being vulnerable and living our life as a man and then eventually giving his life for our sins. Well, I think that sums it up. And we and the world in some form or another, there is still something to be dealt with. It's called Christmas. Yeah. And it Christmas. still makes powerful people nervous. It, it does. does. It does. And they try to kill him, oh, whether yeah. you know, physically or spiritually or theologically. And uh it's still religious people are still shaking their heads saying it mm. just can't be. Well the good news is they can't kill him again. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.